We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. Following, following the following the journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd, with your host, the Podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Showtime, a-holes! What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 243. I am your host, Nate. Hope everybody's doing spectacular on this Monday morning, man. It's a... it's a little bit of a recovery day for me as I'm sitting here recording this. We just uh, came off of our two-night tour into Ohio. We played Columbus on Friday the 10th, uh, Saturday the 11th. We played in Dayton. I'm just going to get right into this craziness because it actually is kind of like a big chunk of my show. Not really a huge chunk of my show. I'm actually going to be changing it up this week. I'm adding a new segment. We're going to be doing some new things every week. We're gearing up to episode 250. We're seven weeks away, and I'm going to drop the first official teaser here, folks. Episode 250 will officially debut my new co-host, and it's already been decided. There's no question about who it is. Uh, I'm super ecstatic. I can't wait to start really rolling out and letting everybody know kind of what the game plan is. Uh, but the future is looking bright for this show, and I'm, I'm just really, I'm really grateful to be in this position. So let's get into the weekend and what all went down with me. We uh, had to play Columbus, and you know, interesting because we played Columbus last year in April, or this year in May, so it's like, okay, boom, boom. So it's about a year apart, and uh, it, we played last April, and it was a fucking stellar experience. We loved it. So we're playing in May, we have to get the three of us in the truck, all of our gear, all of our luggage, everything we need packed up. We got everything loaded up into the truck, and we start on Friday. It was At first it was just Sarah and I in the truck, because we were at the house, and then we were picking V up on the way down, and which typically doesn't happen. Usually we're all together to start the sh- to traveling to a show, but this day this just kind of worked into the plan better. It just saved on... The unknown, I guess, is the best way to say that. So we get into the truck, and we start traveling south. We initially say, like, every hour we're going to take a break. Because three of us in the truck, it's a tight squeeze. It's really, it can be really very quite difficult to be traveling like that. We're crammed in together. It's very, very intimate in that regard. Like, we're just essentially on top of each other and, and whatnot. But, uh... We're crammed in the truck, and it's it can be stressful. It really can be. And uh, to you know, to be honest, that's a little bit of something that we're going to talk about today. Is that without realizing it, I've let something that I thought I pretty much stopped or got rid of from who I am kind of seep back in. And I, th- I think it's a, a combination of of many things. But we'll get there. So 
uh, we, you know, we, we get through the first hour and in the drive after picking V up and we're going to stop and get some subway. We stop in Frankfurt by where Brando lives, kind of get the subway, the real good subway. We fill up the truck. We're back on the road and we're driving and we go through Indianapolis and there's like maybe two or three to four minutes of slower traffic rush hour ish time. So we can understand it's, it's reasonable. Get through there. We're on. I think it was seventy. Is the is the road we end up turning onto inter I seventy. So we're going, taking that in towards uh, Dayton and Columbus, and we're straight shotting it. So we get through to Dayton, and then boom, we hit the most bullshit ever. There was a really bad accident, apparently, and I mean it was bad enough that when we drove by, I was like, wow. Like when we, it took us fifteen minutes. To get a mile, because we were traveling zero miles an hour and literally creeping along, stop, creeping along, stop, and so on. So we finally get to where the accident had happened, and they must have just finished up because the cops were finally gone, and we had seen the lights. So by the time we got there, they had must have just finished, I mean, literally within minutes finishing up, because it was like parting of the Red Sea, right when we got there, it opened up, and traffic was a go, but... This car must have swerved into traffic, out of traffic, rolled the barricade, went back into traffic, went back out into the center barricade, rolled a second time. I mean, it was brutal looking. There, the cross, the guardrail was destroyed in certain spots. There were tire marks that were clearly showing us what path the vehicle was taking and whatnot. I mean, it was. It did not look good, and I know that when I was using Waze, it said major accident, and I was like, if it says it's a major accident, it's fucking serious, because usually it'll just say crash. There was a crash up ahead, but no, this day it was a major accident. Holy fuck. Okay, so it's a little slightly terrifying. We finally get through the congestion, and you know, it's crazy. Last time we played Columbus, we were fortunate enough because I have amazing fucking people in my life and amazing people on this network. Dick's mom put us up. Dick was there, which was awesome. We got to hang out with him and whatnot a little bit. And it wasn't like hang out with him to the extent that we usually do because it was kind of a show night and it was really crazy. And he stayed for our set and then bounced out of there because he needed to get some sleep. He had been up all day and whatnot when that happened. But this time, unfortunately, Dick's mom wasn't going to be in Columbus. She was actually going to Lafayette to, to, to do some sort of thing for her kids. So I think it was graduation or something. I'm, I'm terrible. I don't remember. I'm trying here. Sorry, Dick. Uh, he'll tell, he'll tell me in a text at some point. He'll be like, dude, I fucking told you it was fucking his prom man. Or what? I don't, whatever. I can't remember. So anyways, um, so Dick's like, man, it's out of the question. We can't, I can't, she's not going to be there. And even if I was there, I don't think she'd be cool with just me and my friends in her house because I don't live there. I haven't been there in a while. It would be strange. All right, reasonable. You know, I'm not. I, I didn't push the issue. It wasn't. It, it's not a big deal. There are always other things we can do. So we thought, you know what? Let's just get an Airbnb. We'll find one that's like kind of close to the venue, and then we can just pop, pop, boom, and you're just right there. You don't have to stress out so much. We look on Airbnb. And I find this thing called the Treat Yourself Retreat, or as I called it, the Retreat Yourself. And it's a like a five-star rated Airbnb. It's a super host that hosts this place. Uh, amazing ratings. It had a the best rated bed on Airbnb. Like 
the best bed you can ever sleep on because it was a Tempur-Pedic, which I can attest that it was it was phenomenal. The sleep was phenomenal. It let me rest enough. But uh, so we we get into the Airbnb. The girls have to kind of like slam into high gear and get their selves together for the show. And they are getting themselves together for the show. And they they we finally get out the door and we are driving to the place. And I'm like, oh, it's literally a two minute drive, like three tenths of a mile away from where we're staying. So we just take like one turn, one turn, and we're at the venue. And it's like, oh, hell yeah. Like, this is going to be a great night. Like, it's not far from our place. We're going to be able to just, like, set up, rock this shit out, and be done. So the place we're playing is the Shrunken Head in Columbus, Ohio. And it's a cool, vibing place. Very nice people. The doorman was hilarious. I liked him. The sound guy was very nice, Nick. And I tell you, special kudos to this Nick guy because he's the only sound guy I've ever dealt with in the history of performing in Walk Among Us. The in-between bands said, hey, give me two to three minutes. I'm going to use Lysol wipes and clean off all the cables, all the mics, and make sure that you're not having to deal with another person's sweat or fucking spit on the shit you're using. Because, you know, you're, you are sharing mics, and, and everybody's, you know, obviously uh, using the same PA, and it gets messy up there, man. Sometimes you're just... You're flowing, and you have sweat coming out of every pore in your fucking system, and your your hair is super Anne Burel. That's a moist joke because we don't like to use that word here. Uh, and that's a whole other look up Anne Burel. Just her face is the embodiment of moist. I don't know how to describe that any better than that. But anyways, so like you're just flailing around with all this sweat. So it's nice that he took the time out to be like, hey, let me clean this up. And like, and and I, after we played, I literally was like, "Dude, you're the only sound guy that's ever done that." And he was, he, you know, he looked at me and he said, "Well, I'm a musician too, man, and I don't want to be like swim, essentially swimming in other people's shit." And I was like, "You know what? I thank you for being the coolest sound guy in the world." So I wanted to make sure to give him like a super special shout out. I don't ever do shout outs, but I feel like that one was necessary. So. We get there. We have, we don't get to right, like set up right away. We have to like store our gear, which is really personally. I'm not upset with anyone. I don't want anybody to take that as that I'm upset with anything or like I'm trying to be angry at something. But um, we didn't get to set up. We just had to store our gear, and I hate that because I love to. As soon as I'm at a show, set everything for our band up in a in a certain way break it down in a certain way that it's ready to go to the stage so that when it's time for us to go on stage, we can be on and ready to play in five minutes or less as long as the sound guy is on point and can mic us and have everything on point. So, you know, we don't get to do that. We just kind of have to like cram our shit on top of other band shit. And I'm like, this is also stressful because I don't want to lose or miss play some shit or have something go wrong. and We forget something like that'd be fucking stupid. I would hate that. So I'm a little bit stressed out there, and I want to keep the theme that everything that was happening on Friday is stress-related. Like, the drive was stressful because we kept having these little, like, the, the crash putting us back longer made us almost late to the show. What, what, what we thought was late, they started the show a little bit later than they had said they were going to, which was actually absolutely fine. Um, it worked out to our advantage. We got the perfect parking spot, which is right absolutely in front. So... You know, it's uh, the first band up was Dead Set Ready, and they were fucking lightning in a fucking bottle, man. One of the coolest sounding bands I've ever played with. I cannot wait to perform with this band again at any point in my career. 
Like their energy is infectious. I can't stop thinking about their performance. It makes me want to be a better musician just watching them like and how they and it wasn't anything like super I don't I'm not trying to like overly suck their dick, but for a quote unquote local fully opening act, you're the first band on the card, that's you're opening the show. You're kicking it off. And um, you know, usually that's dedicated to somebody who's early in their goings. And these guys had said it was like their first show back in six months or whatever, but they should have probably been the headliner of the show, honestly. And I mean, I, and I mean, like playing at the end of the night when everybody's all rowdy and fucking drunk, and then then they fucking went up and killed. Because once there were people in there and everybody was grooving, the energy really set off. So dead set, ready played. They killed it. Fun set. Then our buddies, the Mathematics, played. And the second time playing with them, we had played with them actually in Indianapolis at Punk Rock Night uh, last year in June. And to play with them again was fucking spectacular because this time I actually got to watch them play because the way everything was set up, I was setting my drums up while looking at them playing on stage. I wasn't outside setting up, hearing them play, which is different than watching a performance. So I'm watching their performance and they're absolutely spectacular. They put on a hell of a stage show. Their energy is infectious again. Uh, their lead singer is ballsy because he wears a dress, man, and he fucking owns it, and it's dope. It's like it's it's not like I'm wearing this dress as a shtick, and I have to mention the dress and every. He doesn't say the word fucking dress once. He just goes up there and is punk rock as shit, and that's what I respect about those dudes. They fucking love their music and they love their punk, and that's and that's the best thing, man. Honestly, when you can connect with another person like that over music, and they can impress you with just their genuine not give a fuckedness while also being very talented. I, I, I'm i not saying they don't give a fuck and they play sloppy and shitty. They play really great music and they write really good songs that I really fucking enjoy listening to. Uh, have a nice day, fuck you, or have a nice day, motherfucker. Like, that's one of the... They, they, I dig that song. It's fucking groovy. I think it's just called Have a Nice Day, but the chorus is like, Have a nice day, motherfucker, and they flip the crowd off. Like, ugh, it's groovy. So then we played and it was amazing we got a triple encore we played we ended our set they asked for one more we played one more we stood up we were ready to be done they they asked for another one we got up because we were thought i'm like i'm fucking beat i literally don't think i can play another song i am exhausted at this point it was so hot on that stage they asked for a third one we do the third encore and when we called it we were like hey we have to stop because we won't let the last band go and, and, you know, so we quickly get everything outside, and it was amazing because as soon as I get outside, even though it was a little bit chilly, the cold air with the hot sweat made me feel just amazing. I was like, bam, I am perfect right now. I'm going to be able to tear these drums down, get the set stuff, and get everything done. So we get everything out off the stage outside. I start breaking stuff down. Fans are coming up to us. We're signing posters that we're still selling, and, and we're talking and chatting it up with people and whatnot. And it's a really surreal experience. You know, there's people from, the dude from Florida, he literally, he travels for work. And he just so happened to get his route through Columbus to see us. Like, he was like, oh, I'm going to hit this job so we can go through Columbus to see these guys. Came to our show. It was cool. He was a little bit of a lingerer. Like, he just didn't know that he didn't stop talking. Like, he kept kind of, like, the conversation would be at a natural conclusion. I'd be like, okay, man, well, I got to keep doing this thing because I got to get my gear in the truck and, and all the, and trying to explain, like, I don't want to just sit down here for fucking 12 hours and chit chat, buddy. I'm ready to go home and like relax and max, you know? So we, uh, we finally get everything put away and in the truck and, and Joey from, uh, the mathematics, man, 
he uh he told me a story and I'm gonna share it with you guys here because it was a moment as a musician that really touched me. Like it it moved me genuinely as he's speaking these words to me. I'm like tear in my eye, choked up, feeling like, wow, like no way. So he he keeps Joey from the mathematics keeps going, Hey, I need to talk to you guys, the band. He's like, I need to talk to you guys. And we kept almost getting the three of us to be able to be available to do that, and then somebody would pull someone away. So Sarah, unfortunately, gets pulled away, and Joey's like, I got to get it out because I, I, it's time. I have to say it. I have to tell you guys. So he's like, okay, so do you remember when we played with you guys last June? And, and Veronica and I were like, yeah. And he's like, so do you remember the band that played first? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, so the drummer for that band, Pat, his sister was at that show. And when the show was over, she was going to go home, but she got caught because there was a bike marathon, and her Uber couldn't get to her because of the bike marathon. So because he didn't want her to be outside and alone in a, in a possibly vulnerable situation, he just told her, he's like, you know, you should stick around for the last band, Walk Among Us, because blah, 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 and they started talking about misfits. Their love for the misfits... Uh, convinced her to go ahead and hang out and watch the whole show, and they fell in love at that show, and they've been together ever since, man. Like they're nearing a year together, and uh, he really like he was he was emotionally moved to it because he's like he's like I'm not a sappy fucking dude, man. That's not who I am as a person, but I'm in love with this girl like on a level I can't even express to you guys, and it touched me, man. It got me right like right in my heart, you know. Like this guy, um. He said that his girlfriend framed the poster that I made for that show we played with him last June because it meant so much. That show is like it encompasses their beginning, and it it's our set brought them together because they were singing all the songs and realizing that they had so much in common. And it, and and yes, I get it. The Misfits wrote those fucking songs, but nobody does what we do. Put any fucking other group of people in the room with us, and we will prove every fucking person exactly that fact. And I'm not trying to sound cocky. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not trying to be egotistical. I just state the facts, and I know it, because people look at us, and it's it's two chicks, only pianos and drums. It could be fucking dorky on an extreme level. And then you're in the room with us, and we give you our actual energy, and we perform for you with our souls, and we bear everything to you, and we almost transcend our existence. There's a lot of times we're playing those those shows, man. I don't even remember the experience of performing because I'm not even in my body. I mean, I'm there, but it's like someone is controlling me to do my job, I guess is the way to make it sound. So... To have them have that moment be so memorable, you know, and he's like, listen, it's so memorable that I need to get a selfie with the three of you. So we made sure to get the selfie because he's like, my girlfriend couldn't be here tonight and it really bummed her out. She's really sick and and like we see each other every day and I didn't get to she didn't get to come tonight because she's super sick and she's like heartbroken. And I told her I'd get a picture with the band so I could show her and, you know. You guys could send your love. Well, then he also got a poster. We signed it directly to her. He's going to frame it for her. How beautiful, you know? Like, that's love, man. And it's and it was just that, like, it wasn't somebody that just bought our merch because they liked our music or thought the girls were cute or thought that I was fun or, or whatever their reasoning was. They 
they are into our stuff because it reminds them of their love. That's fucking deep, man. Like that gets me really hard, man. It really does. That's uh anyway, so we finish up that. Like I don't wanna I don't wanna get all emotional right now. I'm not into that. So we finish up that and we finally pack it in. And Joey had said, like, hey man, there's this place called Mikey's Late Night Slice. It's a great pizza joint. Go there. We go there, and it's fucking bro central. Not having it, and I'm just not a fan, and it's like a very harassing kind of vibe in that place, and I'm just like really, really guard up, ready to fight everybody. So we order our pizza, get out of there, and um, again, that stresses me out. So I was like happy at the show, having a great time doing the show, being with the girls, doing all that stuff, but... Then the, the 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 vibe of being at Mikey's Late Night Slice gets under my skin. This guy almost hit us with his car and we're crossing the street. Again, stressed. I just want to go home and now I'm like super hungry because I've expended every ounce of my fucking energy and then some has been depleted, fully depleted to do this show. And I need food. I need sustenance. So this pizza is waiting and we get in the fucking place and we take a couple bites of the pizza and it's fucking nasty. And it just, it turned the mood, man. And and um, this is something that I want to talk about, about like a, a character trait of mine that I'm learning to get rid of again and learning how to cope with what I don't want to become. And one thing I know is anger and unnecessary stress pushes people far, 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 far away and stresses people out on levels that you don't know. So... Here I am with the two people that I care most about having some sort of weird bullshit fight. Okay? And 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 a lot of blaming and and stupid it's 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 literally it's literally like the stress just broke us. The collective stress of what we had gone through to get through the show broke us. Just for that moment. And it was it was hard. We talked it out, you know, cuz we're adults. Got through it and it was hard, like I said, but um in doing that, I realized I do have a deep-seating anger problem. And that when um, I start to feel the stress of time or the stress of pressure of expectations that I've set for whatever XYZ, that sometimes I, um, I guess I respond in angry ways that I don't even recognize. It's subversive. It's it's internal from when I was a little kid, man. Shit that I probably picked up from my fucking parents and how they were, honestly. Like, I'm not trying to make excuses. It's just what I'm surmising happens when you're in that environment. So, you know, I do a good job. I can honestly say, man, like a lot, most of my friends have not seen me fucking furious. Most of my friends have not seen me on my bad days. But Sarah and V have seen it. And they've seen me as fucked up and not necessarily the you know most healthy person they've seen it like the the rawness that is me unfiltered without thinking about anything else you know and i i love them man cuz they stand by me and they they believe in who i am as a person and they were strong enough to tell me that this is something that had to change. And I was strong enough to go, you're fucking right, man. Like, what? Like, I we went from having a great night on Friday to, like, kind of a, a shitty night. So, finally, everything settles, and, and we're, like, in the zen den. And 
it's time to go to bed. We go to bed at like 3 in the morning. We have to get up at 9 in the morning because we have to be out on Airbnb by 11. We do all of that. And Saturday I woke up with like a whole new headspace. And and, and in my going to bed, I was like, how can I not just say the empty promises of I'm going to be better but what can I do to actively try to feel better and, and actually be better and not let all the stress get me? And before I tell you guys, you know what time it is. And not Tenacious D time, motherfuckers. It's actually drink break time brought to you by, oh, you brought it. Poor 360 coming tomorrow. I can't wait. I have no idea what he's going to talk about, but it's going to be great. Here we go with my drink break. So I tell myself, as I'm falling asleep, to a thunderstorm rain track, which set the mood. It actually was very nice. It helped me to just lock into, I'm going to bed, good night, boom. And I had a relaxing sleep. So as I'm laying there getting ready to to fully fall asleep, I said, tomorrow when you wake up, Nate, you're going to practice patience. And what I meant by that is it's show day. So if we're running behind, we're a little late, we're behind schedule, something's not going how we want it to, something fucks up, something goes wrong, something that you can't foresee happens, don't blow your lid. Don't immediately start getting so angry that you're going to change everybody else and put everybody else in a funk. Because it's not worth it. It genuinely, heartfeltly is not worth it. So we have our Saturday. I wake up. And I immediately felt different. I, 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 it wasn't like I was like, I have tricked my brain into believing that I am a healthy, mental, stable person. But I thought, today you're going to be patient, Nate. And everything that happens, just be cool with it. And let things just play. Because you're always going to be on time. It's going to be a good time. You're going to be on time. So Saturday happens. And we go to V's sister's parents, uh, or her mother and father-in-law's house, I guess, her parent-in-law's, her in-law's house, whatever you want to call it, which we'd been to before for their wedding back in September, and it's really fucking cool. It's got like a heated pool that's in ground, and it's a big-ass, nice, on lots of property place with horses and shit. It's serene, and it was the best thing that could have come on my Saturday, or come to my Saturday. Don't come on my Saturday. That would have been a little bit of a a sticky situation, but, uh, so we're at this place hanging out and Natalie is like, okay, well we should go eat. What do you guys want to do? And they start listing off things. And as soon as the word Thai gets mentioned, I'm like, we're having Thai. We're doing it. Let's go. So we're going to pick Thai food. And the girls are like, we have to have Thai food. There's no Thai food in our area anymore. And it sucks. It's killing us because the one great Thai place, exotic Thai just disappeared overnight. I'm super sad. The other place, five-star tie, it just sucks. It's not good. I've never liked it. They thought it was the bee's knees, and every time I had five-star tie, I was just like, it's just okay. But anyways, I digress. So we uh, get ourselves together, get ourselves ready. I Okay, so here here's a fun story. I can tell this story because it's legal and able for me to tell the story. So we're in Ohio. Ohio uh, cannabis is decriminalized. Um, and we got to try some, I got to try some from, uh, California, right? And, uh, never, uh, like really 
experienced that, I guess, like this specific kind of thing where it's, it was purchased for the purpose of creativity. It's called the creativity strain. It's like meant to mentally set you right. And boy, did it. It was really crazy. It like snapped my brain together and I was like hyper aware of everything. And I was like thinking of things and I was putting things together in my head. And I was like trying to rewire and rethink like, who am I? What, what led me to be so frustrated? What led me to, and it's one word. It's a word I've struggled with a lot. It's a word I'm going to tell you guys, my listeners, because I think it's honest. It's real as fuck, but control. Okay. And I don't mean controlling. I don't mean to say, um, now I need you to call me every hour on the hour, blah, blah, blah. Text me a picture of where you are. Some crazy, like psycho shit like that. What I mean by control is, okay, if we're going to be at our show, which our load in is at seven o'clock PM, we need to leave by four o'clock PM to get there by six o'clock PM, just to have the additional hour to ensure that if there's anything like traffic, if there's anything like anything, we're ahead of the curve, right? So relinquishing that control just means being breezy and going, okay, well, listen, if there's traffic, there's a reason there's traffic. We're not meant to be to our destination until that traffic has cleared. And honestly, again, practicing patience on Saturday, we ate at the Thai place, and it was amazing. I had amazing spring rolls and chicken satay with this fucking dip and we're at some point we're going to be doing a foodies in the near future you guys are going to be hearing an awesome foodies watching movies this wednesday featuring mr liz or mrs liz and mr ap i fucked that up um doing foodies watching movies as a special for us this week because we were out of state doing these shows and today there was no way in hell i would have convinced sarah or veronica to do a podcast on top of everything else that they had going on today so we have the amazing Thai food, again, chicken satay, and, and we had uh, the, the spring rolls and the crab rangoon, and then uh, I got pad Thai, Sarah got pad CU, Veronica got pad Sen, and then uh, Natalie got some sort of chicken larb, which I wanted to try only because the I larb you joke in Spider-Man Homecoming, I just thought it was funny, but... Uh, I didn't actually end up trying it because I was like, I'm going to wait and see what everybody else's reaction to this LARB is. Because I don't know what the fuck LARB is, you know, like, I'm not really sure. So Natalie ordered it, and she got it last time, apparently, that they were here, or she was here. And she says, ah, it's not actually that good. And then V tries it. Oh, it's too spicy. Sarah tries it. Something's not right. It tastes like chicken noodle soup chicken. I was like, you know, I'm not going to try it. I'm too locked into my really absolutely stunning pad thai like it was so good there was some leftover because the portion was absolutely insanely big for everybody so there's tons of leftover thai from this amazing restaurant in my fridge right now Ugh. so we get done with that we went back to the to the cool uh, chill pad and i soaked my legs just my legs in the heated pool for like an hour while i slept in the sun essentially it was so nice i had the Guardians of the Galaxy awesome mixes on rotation in my Spotify with some choice other tunes. And we're just zenning out, just trying to get myself right, meditate a little bit. Again, going back to thinking on my anger and and, and just 
again, being real and facing it. That's that, that's the hard thing about people. I think that that is the hardest thing to admit when you are a person who has an anger problem. or has. And I'm not saying like anger problem could mean as simple as I stubbed my toe and then I immediately screamed. Stubbed your toe. Hey, that fucking sucks. But it wasn't the wall's fault. It wasn't your fault. Accidents happen. Screaming isn't going to make it better. Going, ow, that fucking hurts. That's not anger, but like, Losing your mind and wanting to punch a wall or some shit, that could be angry. Or screaming or getting mad or just losing your cool or just being clouded and not being able to have proper judgment or proper control over yourself, right? All different levels of it. So I'm working on trying to be less angry, trying to lighten the concern when I am out of control of things. When things are outside of my hands, just letting them play out. Hey, traffic's shitty. I didn't do that. The venue I'm going to didn't do that. That's just life. Someone else fucking did it or something happened to somebody else, and we just got caught in the um, aftermath, right? So that's kind of my big takeaway from this weekend. And Saturday, we play a second show. We went to Dayton, and it was awesome. This place called Turnbuckles and Brews. It's brand new. Had a big-ass cool stage, great sound, awesome lighting, It was awesome because they had like a garage door area where you would load in and we were the headlining act. So we literally had a whole side to ourselves to load in. All three other bands were on the other side. It was really strange. Um, But then they would load out on our side. So I like kind of fucked up initially and blocked the way. And I was like, oh, shit, people are going to be coming out this way. They're all going in one way. I see how the stage flow is. Let me just go ahead and do this. So I moved my gear a little bit more, got everybody, everything set up. We watched the show, you know. Let me remark on the band shortly. Uh, this show was a little bit different. Uh, you know, I fucked up because all the way back on the day before, the band that played after us was Death Proof, and their lead singer and everybody, like, it was, it was, they played a killer show. It was a high energy show. I didn't get to actually see it. I heard about it. I listened to it because I was doing all the teardown and stuff. The girls were in and out, so they got to see some of it and whatnot and, and experience it, and they said it was really great. I just don't want to disrespect them by not mentioning them. So then we played the show in Dayton at Buck Turnbuckles and Brews. Lots of people there to see us. Uh, the first band is the Sipes, and they were they were all right. They were a little bit different. I mean, they had some different... It was like punk rock Slayer, I guess, which Slayer is already kind of punk rock, but it was less metally and more punk rock that's really the best way I can really describe that so uh you know we we then play uh after that was Viceroy Kings and that was the dude who put the show on's band and he actually did a two-nighter there because they played the previous night with the Coffin Cats and then the second night with us so then after they played it should have been a walk among us it wasn't unfortunately it was this band called Yikes a band and Yikes uh I don't mean to be disrespectful but what they did, I cannot in my heart, in my mind, in my consciousness, say was music. I can say it was an art installation or an art piece or it was art with music. But it didn't. It was two keyboard players and a laptop. The laptop did 90% of the musical work playing all the drums, all the music, uh, and all the backtrack vocals. And then they would sing to themselves, which was strange. Um and then, like they would, ha- they would, and then like the guy would kind of play bass, but the bass lines were already there. But he was just like doubling them, and they would kind of play synth sometimes. But 
no one liked it. It was very, and I'm not, I'm not saying personally like I hated it because it just, like I said, it wasn't my style. But what they were doing, I can't consider music, and I wouldn't have put that before us because we are nothing like that. And it really it scared the crowd away. A lot of the people, not a lot of people, I would say like 15 people of the 50 people left, right? Which kind of sucks. But it's not the worst thing to happen. That's that's showbiz, you know? It's to be expected. And another thing to say, it doesn't matter the crowd size because playing to new people is always 100% going to ensure we have new fans because we will impress every show we play unless we really fuck up, which we typically don't do. We're pretty, we try to stay on top of the game in that regard. So we, uh, you know, we, we watch Yikes uh, band do their thing. And then it's like, okay, we're going to get up there and totally do something different. We get our shit on stage relatively quick. Boom, we're locked in and it's go time. And here we are again, night two. And night two, I'm in a different headspace now. I've spent all day nice. I've smoked the California weed. I'm relaxed. I'm maxed. I've fucking ate amazing Thai food. And my, my brain is all creative. And I'm just trying to mentally heal and just be more in tune with myself and not let, like, I don't want to die at fucking 40 because I had a heart attack because my blood pressure is through the roof because I fucking stress all the time. That's not healthy. It's not good, you know? So we play this sh- the second show in Dayton, and I just zen. I feel so good. And get done with that. We packed up the shit, locked in the truck, got all of our gear in the truck, including all the other stuff, our food, snacks, luggage, everything we had packed with us. In the back of the truck, it's raining. The truck's starting to get a little bit of water in it. I had to stuff a bunch of towels to keep it from getting water in it. And here we go. It's... 10 o'clock at my home residence, it's 11 o'clock at this venue, by the time we get ready to leave, leave, it's about 11.30, 10, 10.30 my time, we have a four hour drive ahead of us, and we did it in a straight shot, we stopped twice I think, once for gas, twice for gas, and then once for steak and shake, uh, got home at about four in the morning last night, uh, got everything inside and then died essentially, have spent all day today recovering, and here we are. It's time for Journey into Comics. And guys, I tell you what now. Thank you, first of all, for always checking out and hearing like how my week has been, how the month has been going for me and whatnot, because I know some people might go, this is Journey into Comics, but you talk about yourself. Yeah, I want you to connect with me. Like, You should know who you're dealing with. When, like, I don't want to just be like, here is the news. Here are the important stats. And also, you can have this too. That's dead, man. I don't want that. I don't want to just be reading from a sheet and be without soul. I want to give you who I am. Like that That's what makes you connect to me. Because you probably have some sort of issue you're fucking dealing with too. And let me tell you something, man. If you're dealing with something and your family has said that, or if, if people around you are like, hey, man, something's not right. You're not cool with yourself. Something's up. Like You're acting funky. And you say, no, I'm not. Look in and just think. If the people who loved me and care about me, loved me and cared about me, why would they say something if it wasn't true? If I'm not in my right, they're the people that are going to keep me in the check. You know? So, and, and I tell you, I encourage you to look in, man, and try to figure out how can I take what's wrong, take these things that are causing me strife in my life, and flip them. And just make things turn into good. 
and, and turn things that are bad into positive. And again, so day one, I practiced patience. Today, so Saturday, I was practicing patience. Sunday, today, was practicing being grateful and just being grateful for every different little tiny thing that I could be. Grateful that I got to wake up at all this morning. Grateful that even though I'm hurting, I can still walk around. Grateful that I spent my day with two of my favorite people in the world. You know, that helps me to zen and center myself too because it's it's keeping me reminded of what I'm doing here, why I am doing all the things I'm doing, why I put myself in stressful situations, why I literally push myself past my own limits. And I tell you, you guys, here's the crazy thing. It's, so it's like 3.27 or 3.37 or some shit in the morning last night. We're driving home. We're on 65. We're right before some construction. The girls are both asleep officially. I'm driving I get an itch in my eye. I do a one swipe and realize there's a fucking deer less than 10 feet in front of me. I slam on the brakes, do a quick shift, miss the fucking deer. The girls wake up in an adrenaline rush. I'm now having an adrenaline dump because I'm like, holy fuck, I just about died. We almost hit that fucking deer and it would not have been pretty. We were doing like 65 miles an hour. Our truck is super heavy. It would have fucking been bad. We might have wrecked and really had a rough time. Like, it could have really been bad. I mean, guys, I'm serious. It could have been. When I'm saying it, I'm saying it because it was. It still terrifies me to think about how fucked up that was. So, anyways, you guys. It's time for Journey into Comics now. And I tell you, I do have a new segment today. I want to keep that in mind that we're bringing something new that we're going to be doing every week here on the network. I am dedicated, or every week here on the show specifically, I'm dedicated to making this a thing because it's very cool, it's very unique, it's very different, and we're going to do that next. We're going to actually quickly jump into uh, the uh, the first new segment that I have, which is from the page to the screen. Here we go. Here's some from the page to the screen news. These are news-related articles or things that involve comic books on the big screen or the small screen. Not very many things here. Um, you know, there is this guy, though, and I want to mention this specifically. Uh, there's this dude, right? And he... I can't, I can't, like, I can't even believe this guy is real. Because... I'm going to pull this up right now. This guy's name is Roger Wardell, Okay. So, Roger Wardell, I think I briefly brought him up last week on the episode where I said that he uh, had made some tweets that were true about Infinity War, but if you read them and how he said it, or about Infinity War shit, about Avengers Endgame, when you read it and, and the way he would say things, it was still a little bit cryptic, so it wasn't like he was giving away the whole farm, but now we've seen the movie, let's reflect, and I'm going to just read every tweet that this account has created and start all the way back December 3rd of 2018. So these are dated from Twitter. This guy didn't edit this to be like some sort of fucking weird from the past to the future post. You can't do that shit. These were written before this movie even had an official trailer. He says, first one, in Ragnarok, Thor lost a lot of things, but what he loses in Avengers 4 is unexpected. He loses his figure. Expect him to look like a bit like his old friend, Volstag, which he definitely does. 
December 5th, two days later, he tweets this, Avengers 4 will feature the very first character switching from TV to film, and that man is none other than James Darcy Edwin Jarvis from Agent Carter. Okay, that is uh, one of many tweets on the 5th. Second one from these tweets is, Robert Redford is another returning face to Avengers 4. He will share scenes with Tony Stark and everybody's favorite trickster Loki. Scott Lang is also there, but in typical fashion, really messes up big time another dead-on accurate tweet again sort of a, a, a spoiler also sort of a leak also doesn't give away the whole farm keeps it vague enough that it doesn't necessarily fully ruin it so another one on december 5th here he says chris evans gets the chance to play a completely different steve rogers in avengers 4 hail hydra also on december 5th this is News that we haven't seen pay off yet, but I, I just keep this in mind for the future. As he said, December 5th of 2018, while Feige has talked about films based on Power Pack and Miss Marvel, it's also being heavily discussed to have these as multiple season-long shows on the Disney service. Possibly having Miss Marvel on the Disney service or Power Pack on the Disney service. That would be interesting. Also, Black Knight has been discussed quite a bit over at Marvel Studios. They see the character as a potential new Avenger and capable of holding his own solo film and possibly a trilogy, okay? More December 5th talk. Here we go. Here are some more Endgame spoilers. Again, Endgame spoilers, if you haven't seen the movie, I don't know how you couldn't. We'll talk about that in a second, too. In Avengers 4, Thanos meets his end when Thor finally takes his advice from the previous film. No going forward with this character. Again, dead on. Brock Rumlow and Jack Rollins return in Avengers 4 in a recreation-style scene of the famous elevator scene in Winter Soldier, but there's a major difference in this one. Okay, still December 5th. Stan Lee's cameo in Avengers 4 is at a 1970s car show. It's with a 1970s car, and it is in the 70s because that's where they travel in time. It didn't end up being in a car show. That was probably an original uh, edit that they switched again this guy has been dead on with everything he's saying so i don't even question that that was probably what originally was going to happen uh don't worry oh and december 5th 2018 here's the last one he has until very recently as december 5th 2018 the last post before he went radio silent until after the movie had released don't worry marvel still has big plans for zemo ghost justin hammer general ross and the abomination the leader is being discussed to return as the main villain of Thunderbolts, which is being planned as a trilogy. Thunderbolts trilogy, that would be the tits. If you don't know, Thunderbolts are like Suicide Squad. They're bad guys who become good guys for the greater good cause. But Norman Osborn leads that team. They're probably going to have Thunderbolt Ross be the leader of that team. Like He's a little bit disgruntled. He becomes Red Hulk. Maybe they'll get that in sometime soon. Who knows? So... As I said, Roger Wardell goes silent for a long time until May 7th. Doctor Strange 2, and I talked about this last week too, I think. Uh, Doctor Strange 2, hopefully I didn't do this whole thing last week because then I'm just living in a paradoxical loop. Uh, Doctor Strange 2, 1980s Boogaloo. Tilda Swinton is in talks to return as the Ancient One. Jericho Drum and Clea will make their MCU debuts. Clea will likely be portrayed by an Asian actress. Most importantly, the gloves will be back, meaning that Doctor Strange will have his yellow gloves again, which he had in the Thor Ragnarok teaser thing, but he didn't for some reason have them in Endgame or in Infinity War. And lastly, Rocket's creator is the High Evolutionary. That's the guy that put him together and programmed him to be who he is. Drax is in for a big surprise when he discovers his daughter is still alive, which is 
Moon Dragon. Rocket also gets a love interest in the form of Lila, which you get in the Guardians of the Galaxy game. They did that in Telltale. Nebula and Star-Lord will grow closer into friends. I think that's probably because Nebula is going to be understanding Quill's pain of like, man, we have to get Gamora back to cool Gamora because this Gamora sucks. She's kind of still a bitch, you know? Bitchy Gamora. So yeah, it's crazy that this guy has been so accurate, and we are going to, from time to time, check on his page and see if there's any other crazy big drops. Speaking of Avengers Endgame, I did want to talk briefly on this money and how they are just raking it the fuck in, you guys. Right now, $2,485,499,739 grossed worldwide for Avengers Endgame. It is only $300 million away from destroying Avatar at the box office, all-time domestic, all-time worldwide, and being the bee's knees film, the best thing there ever will be. Maybe not. Maybe there'll be a bigger crossover someday that'll blow this out of the water. But right now, this is pretty fucking huge, guys. Nobody, I mean, really Titanic held that for a long time. Avatar crushed it. You've had a lot of other people get close. You thought Star Wars was maybe going to do it and didn't pull it off. Endgame really has a strong chance, if especially if it runs all the way through September and they just slowly trickle this in. I don't know if there are any other countries that haven't yet had the movie drop. Uh, I feel like Russia didn't get a version of the movie. Maybe it was the American dubbed or American subbed version, whatever that is. But um, I tell you, Endgame had a huge weekend this weekend as they pulled in domestically $63 million over the weekend and beat Detective Pikachu. We'll be talking about that in a short minute here. Uh, one thing I want to talk about Endgame, there's been like a lot of different stuff coming out. Now that the movie's out, they can talk about things they wanted to do, things they didn't do, characters they want to introduce, things they should introduce, things that were going to be different. There's a lot of that stuff to, to kind of like wade through. But really, the 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 more important bits I found about this were a couple things. They had said that they had an, an idea to introduce uh, Richard Ryder. It was literally my idea. Like, if you go and read it, it's literally what I had said on this podcast multiple times. Richard Ryder is the last remaining person of the Nova Corps and gets destroyed. Actually, mine was a little bit better because I said Roman Day would go to Earth and give him the, the power of the Nova Corps and Richard Ryder would just be a normal dude, but... Essentially the same concept that he would be the one to be the one, and there was only one Nova left. Uh, so that's pretty cool to hear. They debunked that they were trying to reference Namor. They said maybe later down the road they'll pay that off, but it wasn't intentional. They were just using that as banter when they said there was a uh, earthquake off the coast of South Africa or off by, off Wakanda. So... Then you had, uh, what? Oh, 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 okay. So then the big one, this was the big one. They had actually considered also using House of M as a storyline without the X Men, though. They were going to utilize Scarlet Witch still, but they were going to kind of like backhandedly use that for the Infinity War endgame thing instead of what they did. Sorry, a brief yawn there. Maybe a quick drink break will remedy that. I think it did. Now I maybe have the hiccups. That's my luck, isn't it? Get the hiccups after I get rid of this. Okay, so it's interesting to see what might have been. 
they say all these different things. There was going to be a different scene where Tony, when he did the, when he did his snap, he was going to go into like the soul world and see an older version of Morgan Stark. But when they showed that to test audiences, they didn't really get it because they didn't really care. Like it was, it wasn't that big of a. It would have been more poignant, I think, if they would have just left it be the little girl who was Morgan. Like just let her be in the soul world, and then that would have been a really cool thing. Like. She's like, Dad, you did it. You saved us. You know, I love you. 3,000. Boom. Tears. Ugh. It would have been fucking ugh. But that's okay. I still loved Endgame so much so I'm going to see it tomorrow. Well, Tuesday. But for you that listen tomorrow, you guys know how time travel works. Anyways, I want to also briefly talk about what's left of Fox. Like the kind of the remnants of Fox, the MCU and moving forward, because we got the Dark Phoenix movie coming out in July, I think it is, or June, or whatever it is, I'm not really that excited, I'm just gonna be really fucking real with you, it's June, and I'm not that excited, I don't think it's gonna be good, I think that these movies are a waste of time, I think, honestly, if you want my real genuine opinion, I would rather they not release Dark Phoenix in favor of them releasing the New Mutants movie, just because I think Macy Williams deserves a shot. Uh, it's really a bummer that those two chicks from Game of Thrones said, let's go jump on a sinking ship. Anyways, so they jumped on the sinking ship that was Fox. The franchise is essentially dead. Disney has moved uh, the release of New Mutants to April 2020. So that's another year away. Here we are again. It's been fully delayed. Another like it's supposed to come out in 17. Brandon and I were talking about this in October of fucking 16, I think it was. Or no, no, it would have been October of 17, going into October of 18. Because it was supposed to come out in 18. My bad. Early 18. Doing, doing, doing. And then it was supposed to come out late 18. It was supposed to come out early 19. And it's not supposed to come out at all until next year. Maybe it won't come out at all at all. This is the point. Nobody wants to see those movies because it's not. The MCU X-Men, that you guys have created such a strong, rabid fan base. You've done so well with these movies. You've created a beautiful, interconnected universe that we honestly believe in. And you, you proved to us that you could take 10 years of our time over the course of 22 films, that most of which we had seen opening night and picked through and dissected and talked about and theorized and hoped for and... You know, I honestly want to go back and listen to that Age of Ultron uh, special we did way back just to hear if any of the predictions we had for the Endgame Infinity War saga that we knew was coming, because at that point they had announced it was going to be Infinity War Part 1 and 2, if any of those predictions that we talk about came true. Because I've actually forgotten most of the stuff that was said in those prediction shows, because again, it's been over the course of several years of our lives that we've been dedicating to Marvel, so... When you put these other X-Men stories in front of us and they don't have the Marvel Studios seal of approval, they're not interconnected, they don't intertwine into what we already know and love, you don't get any support. And because it's not what people are going to want, expect Dark Phoenix to bomb. I'm talking a $30 million opening or less at the box office. It's going to be bad. Very bad. Not pretty bad. It's going to be sadly bad. Like, it might be a decent movie, and that might tell a good story. Dark Phoenix might be decent, but no one's going to see it, and no one's going to care to see it, especially knowing if they see it, they're giving money to a franchise that's already over. 
you know, like, ugh, so what? Give me the new. Like, I want to see X-Men done right, Fantastic Four done right, all those characters in, in, in between that Fox had a hold of. I want Kevin Feige and company to actually say, let's show these motherfuckers how it's really done. You know, like, let's really prove it to these guys. And I think that's something that's possible, guys. So, here we are. We're at the last segment of the night. And guess what? It's a new segment. What? I'm debuting something right here, right now, you guys. I tell you what. I was thinking about it. And I wanted to do initially a thing called This Week in Comics. And then I just didn't get my bearings how I wanted to. And then Sarah had the great idea. Why don't you just do This Month in Comics? You can do it segmented week to week to just cover parts of what you want to talk about. So, I'm going to educate you guys. I've educated myself a little bit. I've dug deep into the archives. I've went, and here's what we're going to do for the first year of this segment. So, from this year into next year, what we're going to cover is, every week, you guys are going to get me talking about briefly, and bringing up briefly, characters, first appearances across history each month. So, these are going to be this month's First four, this month in comic book history, these four characters debuted. And we're going to do this in, in order of year. So you guys know this is sequentially going from the earliest date and time that I wanted to look at this all the way to current. I kind of just, you know, I have kind of have a game plan about the earlier stuff because there are comics that predate where I start. And I do want to talk about those and I do want to discuss those. But I thought it would be a nice opening palette for you guys to get into characters you already know kind of inch our way into those lesser known characters maybe perhaps so here we go this month in comic book history supergirl also known as kara zor-el debuts in action comics 252 may of 1959 supergirl is actually older than my dad that's crazy that's also the episode title supergirl is older than my dad I love that. Uh, Otto Bender and Al Plastino are her creators, you guys. And uh, I know Action Comics 252 is one of those books. Because it's got Kara's first appearance, it is ultra hard to find, especially it's a book from the late 50s, you know, and it's a DC book. So good luck finding it if you're trying. I don't know that you are, but uh, it's, you know, honestly, it's one of those things that... uh, all these people that are on these lists, I just want to mention this. Some of them I know their where their origins come from. I know their history. Others I don't, and I think that's what made this learning this little list very fun. So, you know, Kara obviously got her own show, Supergirl. And the next character on the list has also appeared in television. He's also a DC character, and he debuted a year later in The Flash 212 Volume 1, The Flash, Golden Age Flash. Ralph Digby, also known as Elongated Man, uh, created by John Broom and Carmine Infantino. Uh, again, one of those things, Flash 112. It's not going to be easy to find. Elongated Man or Plastic Man, I think, is one point they call him or turn him into. Um, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, I think he's another character that it was cool to see him show up on uh, DC TV because they did him justice 
And of course, I'm way behind on Flash, so I don't even know why I'm trying to talk about the Flash. Like, I'm probably sounding like a bit of an idiot right now because I'm so far behind on that TV show. But if we're talking comics, it's just not, again, nice to learn. Like, I'm looking through and I'm like, I didn't realize Elongated Man, just his lineage was that old. It's it's surprising. And and he actually, he's actually older than one of my, one of my semi-favorite characters, one of Tyler's absolute favorite characters. Shout out to you, Tyler, from Podcastrophy. Uh, you guys can check out Podcastry every Thursday on the Journey into Comics Network. Also, shout out to Dick from Podcastry. We were talking about him earlier on the show. So, how about this? May 1962, you guys know him and love him. It's the Incredible Hulk, Bruce Banner, debuting in the Incredible Hulk number one. Obviously created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Uh, also want to note that the way I'm saying this, Otto Bender, John Broom, and Stan are all the writers of these characters, and Al... Plastino, Carmen Infantino, and Jack Kirby are all the artists. So I'm going to say the artist is usually the last one, and the people who created the idea of the character are the top ones. The last name's the artist. The other names are always going to be creators. So the Hulk, created by Stanley and Jack Kirby, uh, in debuts May of 62. So we have Supergirl in 59, Elongated Man in 60, and then Marvel drops the Hulk in 62. Here's a nugget of information. Incredible Hulk number one is a part of a miniseries, one through six. It was not really well received. Not a lot of people got into the Hulk. Uh, due to a error in printing, the Hulk turned out green. Uh, after turning, uh, initially he was gray, and then he turned green because they screwed it up, and they decided to keep him green because they thought it was interesting, and then they didn't. the story didn't really take off, so they shelved it, and they decided to do... Um, Tales of Susp- was it Tales of Suspense? No, 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 Tales to Astonish. It was Tales to Astonish. They started doing the split books, and and they did a, a Giant Man, and then like Submariner, Giant Man, and Incredible Hulk, and it was just like mini stories. And then from that, Tales to Astonish spawned out the Incredible Hulk's own series. Obviously, he spawns out one of the biggest characters in the. History of Comics, X-Men, Wolverine. So, yes, Incredible Hulk is very, very important to us. And it's cool to see that he debuted back in May of 62. Jumping forward a little bit in time, another Marvel character, Man-Thing, also known as Dr. Theodore Salas, or Ted, uh, debuts May of 71. Savage Tales number one. Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway create him. And... Gray Morrow is the artist who drew Man-Thing for the first time. Kind of like a Swamp Thing recreation or creation. I'm actually not sure which came first, the Swamp Thing or the Man-Thing. I do know that Supergirl is older than my dad now, and I do know that that is week one for this month in comics. We've only got three weeks in May left, so I'm going to kind of be cramming this first month with just these little nuggets of knowledge. Maybe next week I'll drop a couple extra nuggets of knowledge on you. We do have some pretty interesting people we're going to be learning about next week. Uh, someone debuting from Marvel Premiere 15. Um, another character that debuted in Incredible Hulk 271. I mean, uh, and that one was actually when I when I learned that, I thought, that's unexpected, and I think I have that issue. I need to go look, and I didn't yet do that. So, uh, man, you know, this has been a great episode of Journey into Comics. I am working on bettering myself, and I'm going to work on bettering this show. That's why I brought some segments this week. I'm going to try to adapt and add some other new things. We did from the page to the screen. We've also now done this 
month in comic book history. You guys have learned a little bit about some first appearances. Hopefully, you can take those home with you. Once again, quickly, we're going to run it down. Supergirl, May 1959. Action Comics, 252. Elongated Man, May 60. The Flash, 112. The Hulk, Bruce Banner, May 62. And The Incredible Hulk, number one. Man-Thing, Dr. Theodore Ted Silas. Uh, May 71, Savage Tales, number one, folks. They all debuted in May, and we've got some really cool ones coming up I cannot wait to talk about. Next week's a big one, too, because there are two. They're really, next week is like maybe the best run. And just, again, it all fell by what year these things dropped. So that's what determined it. It wasn't that I said, next week I'm going to stack the deck. But next week you're going to want to definitely check this out because it is a stacked deck. We are going to be talking about some characters you absolutely know and love. Even more than the characters I just mentioned here, folks. You guys can check out Journey into Comics podcast at journeyintocomics.com. Uh, you get the Journey into Comics network there. Obviously, you can get us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search the Journey into Comics network at Journey into Comics network on any of those podcasting platforms. You'll want to subscribe to us there. You'll get Journey into Comics Podcast, Poor 360, Journey into Wrestling, Foodies Watching Movies, Adulting Ain't Easy, Podcastrophy, Kids for Sale, Crucial Tunes, The Voice of Survival Podcast, Gallop Radio, Brews with Dudes, and Dungeons with Dudes. Every different show dropping one day a week. Not every single show dropping all at the same time. We kind of have a pretty set schedule how we do things here. Folks, thank you guys so much. Also, make sure to check out our Patreon at, at patreon.com backslash journey into comics. I want to again say thanks so much for you guys checking out this week's episode. This has been Journey into Comics 243. Supergirl is older than my dad. I have been your host, Nate. And as always, you can pop your caps back and fill your brains with shit. Later, guys. <laughs>